The Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast is sponsored by Prairie Care. You know, going through the process of getting help with your mental health can be very overwhelming. I definitely know that from firsthand experience. Prairie Care can help guide you through it and get you in touch with the help that you need. They've been offering mental health services to all ages in the Twin Cities of Minnesota since 2005. Whether you're looking for clinical services, a specialty outpatient program, or a more intensive level of care like inpatient treatment, Prairie Care has you and your family covered. Visit prairie-care.com to learn more. That's prairie-care.com. Hello there, my friends, and welcome into this episode of the Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast. My name is Brian Pyatt, and so glad to have you here. Thanks for taking some time to tune in. Uh, as always, just just love to, to get to spend this time with all of you and um, have a, an, another great episode for you this week. Um, you know, our connection to our devices and to technology, to social media, I am, am convinced that um, really, really plays a huge role in, in our mental health. I know that I am very much on a, a day-to-day journey of, of trying to figure out my own relationship with my devices that, that works for me. Um, and, and I know a lot of you are out there as well. Um, and, and this week on the podcast, we're, we're focusing especially on, on kids and parents. So any, any parents out there who I would imagine um, this is a, a big thing that you're probably asking yourself often, right? How, how much should I let my kids be on their, their phones and on their devices and screen time and all of those things? Um, really, the the intention of this episode here today is is to hopefully um, give you a little bit of guidance, give you some things to think about, um, help you feel a little bit less alone in in that process as a parent of of trying to make sure that your kids are um, are at least leaning in the direction of of a healthier relationship with their screens. So to, to help us with that today, we have Dr. Alice Gu. Uh, Dr. Gu is a child and adolescent psychiatrist with Prairie Care, specifically in their, their Rochester, uh, Minnesota location. And uh, really, really enjoyed the conversation with Dr. Gu. We go into a, a number of different things in this chat. Uh, we talk about some of the negative impacts that screens can have on kids, some of the red flags um, for, for parents to be looking out for that might kind of be indicating that there's an unhealthy relationship going on there with um, kids and their devices. Um, also, some good advice and some good tips and um, kind of insight on, on how to help kids, again, lean a little bit more in that healthier relationship with their screens. So I hope that you take something from this conversation. I hope that it serves you in some way. And let's go ahead and begin. Dr. Gu, thank you so much for, for taking some time to, to connect here on the podcast. It's great to have you. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. 
first podcast experience for you, right? Yes, it okay. is. But I'm excited to try something new and um, yeah. hopefully can do more podcasts. W- what an important topic here today. You know, as, as I was telling some people that we were going to be talking about screen time, particularly when it comes to kids and parenting. I know there were a lot of people that were saying they have a lot of opinions about, about this. And there's a lot of people that yes. are, are maneuvering this right now. Um, I would imagine yourself included, maybe you're, you're a mom. Yes. Yeah. I am a mom of a two-year-old. And so it is on the back of my mind, um, but also currently on my mind because as most kids are, they are very attracted to videos, screen time, and anything that flashes in front of them. So yeah. yeah. It's just everywhere. It is. It's kind of unavoidable. Um, Yeah. And especially after the pandemic, it has grown to be a part of our life, you know, whether we like it or not, it is a part of our life now. Yeah. Um, and so more so than ever, I think we do have to be vigilant about our screen use. Yeah. So when we talk about screen time for kids, why would you say that it's potentially problematic? Like, why is this an issue that we're talking about here today? Yeah. Um, and I guess to start off with um, just kind of like a broad overview of what I'm thinking is, you know, it has um, the average daily media use has increased more like faster in the past two years since the pandemic mm-hmm. than it ever has been in the pa- previous four years. And so that yeah. that alone, I think, was just mind boggling to me uh, to even imagine. And I think um, having to connect on social media and through the Internet was, you know, it has been integrated so much in our life. Um, and part of the concern I think that we have as parents, and I'm sure many parents have already heard all these concerns, um, there's a lot of risks involving it. Um, I sort of imagine like it, you know, screen time to be like coffee in my mm. mind where, you know, it, it seems really nice in the beginning and it kind of perks you up. It gets you ready, your day ready. It, it feeds the soul. But then mm-hmm. if you have too much of it, then you get more anxious, you get more fidgety, you can't even sleep at night. Um, and so I, um, I know there's a lot of opinions about that, but um, in terms of the mental health side, um, the risks involved with excessive use of screen time is that it can actually, um, you know, it displaces a lot of other activities in your life. So it, it displaces mm-hmm. your ability to sleep. It displaces um, eating, family time, ability to find other activities that are relaxing and fun. Um, oftentimes we see a lot of kids and there's a big trend where kids find that their only social time and their only t- relaxing time, quote unquote, is through social media yeah. at this point. Um, and so what ends up happening with dis- all that displacement is decreased worsening mood. There's also worsening anxiety. There's been a lot of studies showing that high media engagement increases not only the rate of anxiety, but also the severity of anxiety. Mm. And anxiety is you know, one of the most common psychiatric issues that we see in our practice. So definitely something very relevant to think about. Yeah. Um, it also decreases sleep quality. It also potentially can decrease grades um, with excessive use of screen time, um, poor, uh, you know, difficulties with weight problems. There's also poor, s- poor self-image and body image issues yeah. um, that can be per- perpetuated through all the, you know, photoshopped images that can be, you know, seen on social media. Yeah. 
I love that comparison that you made to coffee, right? Where, where it, <laughs> d- it does feel, I mean, I, I think, I think there's a lot of us listening to this that are like, I know myself very much in a process of trying to figure out my own healthy boundaries when it comes to social media and screens and technology and all of that. And so I think all of us can relate to this in, in some way. And I very much relate to that, to that comparison. <laughs> Cause it does, if you know, you, you, I, I tend to notice if I'm, if I'm stressed or I'm experiencing a, an unpleasant emotion, the, the, the automatic reaction oftentimes is to reach for my phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? I think we're all human here and yeah. I can say the same for myself too. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely, you know, it, it, you know, watching cats and dogs videos is my way of sort of feeling mm-hmm. better about the day and just being like, Oh, I just need a break. Yeah. Um, and so I, yeah, I think there, in some ways we do rely on it a lot these days. Um, and, but I believe there is a healthy way to use screens. Sure. I think there with proper guidance, with, um, you know, consistency of limitations for not only ourselves, but for our kids as well, it is possible to have healthy screen use. It's yep. just a matter of, um, the healthy boundaries that we make, not only for ourselves, um, yep. but also kind of imagining, you know, making sure it's not displacing some of the other things that make us, you know, well in mm-hmm. life. Um, and we'll talk about some of those things coming up here. I, I want to touch on when, when particularly talking about kids, do, 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 we, do we know much about what screens and technology are potentially doing to like the development of kids' brains? Oh, that's a good question. You or, know, or, or just, you know, the kind of their mental space in general, I guess. Right. I mean, there is a gap in research just because the involvement with social media has just exponentially taken off. Um, So I know there is some research um, in the works for that to kind of study kind of how the brain changes work. I'd imagine that I know that there's been recent studies where they showed that kids with social anxiety in particular um, continue to have that fear induced sort of social interactions. Mm. And so their connections in their brain and where the fear-based center is in the brain called the amygdala, mm-hmm. um, that connection is still there. And without those social interactions in person, in real life, and in school, you perpetuate sort of those connections in the brain. Mm. Um, so that's probably the extent of what I know about that. Yeah. But I imagine that it, it can make it more challenging um, to sort of regulate your emotions and mood um, if there's, you know, excessive screen time use because you're not really learning some of those skills and putting those skills to use in real yeah. life. So human in-person connection, important when it comes to the development of a human being. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we yeah. definitely need it. Um, I think that's, um, you know, I, I, I sort of joke that like, you know, as like cave women and cave people in general um i think it's uh it it was so crucial at that point and i I think it's still very relevant uh, to Mm -hmm. us today so i sometimes kind of wish we could go back to those days (laughs) (laughs) where it was just simple with the tools and (laughs) we're just just out in nature all the time right yeah maybe there would probably be some some unique challenges that would come with that yeah hopefully not living in minnesota maybe i mean middle of winter we, I've, I've seen a lot of people embrace the winters, winters here and they yeah. know how to live in winter. So yeah. 
something that I will need to learn. And you're new-ish to Minnesota. Yes. So you're about to go into like your first true Minnesota winter. Correct. Yes. Um, I've been warned it's long and windy yes. and cold. But we're going to get through <laughs> it together. Yes. I promise. <laughs> I'll embrace it. I want to name, as we kind of get into this discussion about how to maybe for parents to develop a, a kind of a healthy relationship with these devices when it comes to their kids. I, I, I kind of want to name, I'm not a parent myself, but I feel like I, I can sense this from other parents that this is a real struggle, right? Because technology is everywhere. I would imagine, especially for little kids, it's kind of a nice break as a parent mm-hmm. to be able to just put your kid in front of a TV. Absolutely. To get like a breather for like Yeah, like a babysitter 20 minutes. in some ways. <laughs> so like important to name that, right? That like this conversation isn't meant to shame parents or make them feel Absolutely. bad for using screen time because it can be a nice time to take a breath. Right. A breath. Absolutely. And I th- that's the last thing I want to sort of get across is that, you know, it's not, you know, parenting is so hard already. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so being able to, you know, give yourself some grace that sometimes screen time is probably the only thing at that moment that works for you at that moment. And it's the best choice that you can make. Um, and, and so I have like an 80 to 80% to 20% rule of, you know, 80% trying your best to kind of minimize screen time and then 20% just letting things go. Mm. Um, So, you know, on flights to, you know, long flights to see family or long flights to on vacation, letting it go, have as much screen time as possible just to get through the the travel piece. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, giving giving ourselves grace through all this. So 80% of the time trying to be mindful about some of these boundaries and working on that and then 20% knowing that like, all rules just might be out the window. Yeah, absolutely. Time. They're going to consume the screen time. And we're human. We all have those days where it's just like, it's just one of those days. Yeah, <laughs> so letting sure. things go is perfectly okay. And it's normal for yeah. many people to go through that. Are there other things that you recommend for parents when it comes to trying to set some of these boundaries and then having this kind of like leaning in this direction of having a little bit more healthy relationship with the screens? Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, there's a lot of advice out there. So I highly encourage anyone listening to look up the American Academy Pediatrics guidelines. Um, They have a website called Mm -hmm. healthychildren.org. The American Academy of Child Adolescent Psychiatry also has some guidelines on that. And they have really well-organized sort of tables. They, I think the healthychildren.org also has a resource called like a family plan Mm. where you can actually... Um, like type out this like really nice family plan and they guide you through the process. Um, so that's a really nice kind of start starting point to kind of get yourself introduced it, um, especially if you're a visual learner. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I highly recommend that first and foremost. Um, and they also have the evidence uh, up to date on there. Um, I think with these tips, um, I also just want to be mindful that, you know, there's so many different things you can take in. Um, mm-hmm. It's, Every child is different, and so understanding your child's habits, their their personality, their um, way of handling screen time, their temperament, um, every plan is going to look different for each family. And so, take these tips as as needed. If you if it fits for you, great. If it doesn't, then try something else. Mm. Um, so, some of the tips that I've come across, you know, as you know, working with children and sort of counseling parents not that we're by any means experts but we we sometimes we run across this issue very often um so it's oftentimes really helpful to sort of assess where everyone 
you know, is. So sort sort of starting off with recognizing that this may be a problem at first. Mm. Um, and so is the media screen time use making you feel better or worse after using it? Is um, is this a positive relationship with with uh, the screen time? Like, are you using it to help uh, make yourself feel better briefly? Oh, my nose is running. You're but okay. um or is, are you avoiding real life issues? Like, are you avoiding homework? Are you avoiding, um, you know, f- family dynamics because you don't want to deal with family? Um, so kind of recognizing, are you using it for, with the intent of having a positive um, reason? Um, there's also been evidence to suggest that passive use of screen time versus active use of screen time is has very different mental health implications Mm -hmm. Um, meaning that passive use you're just scrolling through you're just kind of observing active use more so like you're actively posting you're actively engaged with the community Um, you feel the need to kind of feel pressure to kind of engage the community a little bit more and posting you know at least once a day or multiple times a day and uh, so there is a big difference in terms of how that affects your mental health um, and then also sort of assessing whether I, I mentioned before like the displacement. So like, um, I sort of see it as like a cup overflowing if your, your, your electronic use time is overflowing, but like you're getting very little sleep, not eating very much, not spending time with family or friends, um, then it might yeah. be time to kind of reassess what your priorities are. Yeah. So, so kind of the difference in the, in, in the intention, so mindless scrolling versus like intentionally engaging with it. Right. Intentionally engaging with it a little bit healthier. Is that mm-hmm. kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and not falling into the trap of FOMO, which is like the fear of missing out. Yeah. So if you constantly, because there's always new things on social media, there's always new ideas, new experiences to see there, there is a lot of, you know, risk of FOMO. And so if you're actively using to, you know, connect with a community that you feel you know, in touch with, or that I I feel like that could be a really healthy connection. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're using it as a way to um, constantly feel the need to make a statement of, you know, I don't know, sometimes it can promote um, this false reality that like your whole life is on social media Mm -hmm. or that everything is exposed to social media. And so um, there can be a fine boundary between that um, healthy use versus sharing everything on the, well, the world. And, and, and comparison too, right? Like, so I'm thinking even when it comes to parenting, mm-hmm. parents posting pictures of their kids at the, you know, fall festival, having this beautiful day. And then another parent sitting at home thinking, oh, I should be a better parent. I should mm-hmm. be taking my, my kids out to do, you know, like it just, the comparison game of it I think in general is so toxic sometimes. Oh, yeah. I would imagine as a parent that can land that way too. Like I should be a better parent because oh, absolutely, they're posting yes. all this <laughs> other stuff about what they're doing with their kids. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I struggle with that too at times because I'm kind of like, oh, like we're supposed to be like apple picking this season. This season. Yeah. And I didn't know Minnesota, there was a big thing to go apple picking. And so I feel like I have to do this. Um, yeah. But I ended up taking like one picture that day. <laughs> Yeah. And like it didn't really, uh, it was it was really fun, and I'm I'm glad I savored the memories, but um, didn't really document all that much. Yeah, and, you, <laughs> well, and it's it's incredible how ingrained that is in us that in order for this memory to exist, it's like it has to live on social media. Oh so yeah, it's just amazing how that how that works. Right.
So good stuff there. And I think talking to, you know, like, how are we feeling after we engage with it? Um, are, are, are there signs as a parent that they should be looking for with their kids that are that's starting to show maybe there's kind of an unhealthy relationship happening mm-hmm. when it comes to screens and social media? Yeah, I I think some of the, I call them red flags, but yeah. um, I think some of the things to watch out for is the irritability with regards to not using it. So if they constantly feel the need to use it and then become irritable if they're not, mm. that's probably a big sign that something is off. If they, it's, um, I know there's some argument whether, you know, internet addiction is a real thing, but it, it sort of mimics uh, a substance use addiction in some ways where they, the first thing they do, they want to wake up is to electronics. The first, the last thing that they want to do before going to bed is electronics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, so th- I think that could be another red flag as well. Um, if you notice that your child has, you know, really it's affecting their daily functioning. They're not eating, they're not sleeping, they're not taking care of their hygiene. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of their day-to-day activities and daily routine gets disrupted because electronic. I think that's a big red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, if it affects their mood and their anxiety, worsening their poor self-image, um, causing, you know, you've noticed increased weight gain since they've been playing video games for, mm-hmm. you know, the past several months, almost every day. Um, any displacement of other healthy lifestyle um, daily routines, I think that is also a big red flag. Yeah. Um, and so I, I usually say with, you know, assessing um, these, you know, a- any kids is it, it has to be a continuous process. Um, it's not like a one time thing where mm-hmm. you say like, OK, this is done and we see the problem and then we're going to uh, implement this plan. But just continuously assessing, like, are we where we, sh- you know, is this part of my child's goal? Is it my goal? Are we getting to those goals? If not, let's reassess. Mm-hmm. And, and something that I've heard you talk about that I think is is worth noting is th- this recommendation of kind of having the unit of the family all kind of adhere to the same rules when it oh, comes yes. to when it comes to our devices. Mm-hmm. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so it is often more helpful to not single out the kid in limiting screen time uh, because they often feel excluded or feel like I'm the problem, mm-hmm. which is the last thing we want. I think we want to be able to say we're in this together so that they f- not only feel personally motivated, but they feel like they're in this together with mm-hmm. everyone. Um, so some of the tips that go along with that idea um, is also to, if you decide to have a you know a media plan to have it done together. So if you're going to have no media during family dinner, everyone puts their their phones away, everyone has a TV off, um, everything is put away mm-hmm. during that time. Or if you have a um, no media after a certain time, like so say everyone goes to bed or gets ready for bed around nine o'clock, then everyone's phones are in one place in you know one spot. And so that we, you know, everyone is on the same page on that mm-hmm. idea. So I found that to be more effective for families to have everyone be on the same page. Um, And I think the kids honestly, you know, like that and they just feel like, okay, it's not just me, it's everyone Mm -hmm. um, that that can benefit from this. Kind of more of a communal thing. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. Um, I I know we had a a question from 
uh, I put out on, on social media that I was doing this this interview with you today and, and wondering if anybody had questions. And, and we heard from um, Samantha, who was wondering, how do we get kids away from screens? So, like, how do we actually point them in the direction of things that are going to be more interesting to them versus being dialed into the screens? Because it's just so ingrained, right, in in our world that kids are just attached to their devices in many ways. Yeah. And so how do we, how do we kind of steer them in that direction of more healthy options? Is there anything that you would want to add to that? Yeah. Um, I think it's an important first step would to, I would, you know, normalize and validate that, you know, screen time is everywhere with us and it will ever leave any, yeah. us anytime soon. And just sort of being on the same page with them, building that sort of, trust that you know I see you and I I see myself doing this as well mm-hmm. um and that we're on the same team together so kind of establishing that validation I think first and foremost I think is a good first step um I think also you know with the media plan that you may sort of encourage with everyone uh, you know with the whole family to do together um finding encouraging time you know during those times where you don't have media. So if it's family dinner, if it's an outing, um, encouraging doing something together as a family. And so mm-hmm. if that's possible, of course, I know that understand that may not be completely possible, but even a family member or friend can also be helpful where it's just no media at all doing something that both of you guys enjoy. It's helpful to also have the child be in control of what they do because they have more, I guess, skin in the game, if you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to use that term. So they have, they feel like, okay, I chose this. So I'm going to own this activity. I'm mm-hmm. going to be a part of this activity. So giving them control to decide what that activity is. I think it's the parent's role to kind of, you know, guide them in this direction, but we can offer children appropriate, um, like choices to basically choose from, you know, with what activity do you want to do? What, um, what sort of, uh, you know, game do you want to play for game night? Um, what sort of uh, music do you want to dance to or listen to? So I think giving them choices, I think, can go a really long way to helping them get um, some buy-in. Yeah. How common is this when you're working with kids or clients and kind of in the in the therapeutic process that this topic of screen time is coming up? <laughs> uh, I laugh because it probably happens almost with every patient. <laughs> Um, mostly with teenagers, I think it, it is a bigger issue. I wonder if it's also because it's kind of a gray area um, in terms of the recommendations put out by American Academy of Pediatrics and through the Academy, uh, American Academy of Child Adolescent Psychiatrists. It's kind of left out open to mm-hmm. decide what's best for the child. Um, and so oftentimes there is very little guidance on it. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I often talk about it. Um, I'm actually uh, working with a patient right now who I suspect has very strong um uh, internet addiction, mm-hmm. um, sort of characteristics. And we're working on, you know, putting a plan and working with him to figure out, Hey, let's come up with a solution that you came up with so that you can feel like I, you're in control of the situation that you yeah. can, um, you can pause your, your video game so that you can attend the family dinner, um, mm-hmm. and spend more family time. I think it's also, um, I've also, 
you know, come across even younger kids. So I know families worry that younger kids are getting too much screen time. I think there was a recent report that said 70% of adults uh, or, or caregivers are worried that their child is getting too much screen time. And so um, it is very common. Just yeah, put it at that. <laughs> yeah, super common. So so when it, when it goes from, like when it crosses over into addiction, like when we're talking about things like addiction mm-hmm. to our devices, how do we know that it's kind of crossed over into that territory? I think the simplest way to put that is if it's affecting your daily functioning. Um, As most psychiatric disorders come, you know, if you ever look through our manual, which I don't recommend, it's very long and boring. Um, If it's affecting your daily functioning, that means it's probably a problem. A problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it can be, I would imagine, too, like to varying degrees for people. Yes, absolutely. How much it's actually, actually impacting them. Um, anything else that you would want to add for parents about just recommendations when it comes to, to working on this with your kiddos? Yeah, I think it's also not only important to sort of normalize this experience being surrounded by internet, but also helping them, um, find some supportive spaces that they can go on. Mm. Um, so one of the, um, resources that I've, um, that parents, I, I found that was really helpful was parents find like researching that there's a place called Trevor space, mm. um, for these, uh, the sexual minority individuals to go on and have a safe space and community to, uh, discuss important topics, learn new ideas. Um, so being able to do some research on that, I think can be really helpful. There are, are good resources out there. Mm. Um, I joke because my partner also is into like, um, a, he's really obsessed with backpacks okay. and he's on a Facebook group all about backpacks. And so for him, that's like a nice little hobby that he gets into. And so finding a community that you may bond with, I think that could be really, you know, it can go great lengths to finding that healthy screen time. Um, also educating your children on, you know, what, what, you know, digital citizenship is like. So being respectful online, um, not avoiding any cyberbullying or getting stuck in cyberbullying, um, avoiding sexting, which can lead to felony charges because that could be considered as child pornography. And so mm. um, being able to educate the children on that. There's also education on like safeguarding privacy, you know, what you can post online, what you probably shouldn't post online, um, getting them aware of all the scams and uh, potential other things going online it's ever changing i'm still trying to keep track Mm -hmm. of all the scams that happen and the unsolicited sort of um you know people asking for advice and things like that and so um being wary of that and and catching yourself before it happens i think education is definitely power uh to understand what your child is getting themselves into but also what you're getting yourself into yeah I'm thinking about a lot about kind of how, how the the human brain works and kind of wanting very definite, like I should keep my child to less than two hours a day of screen time. Mm-hmm. And things, like I think that's always what our human mind is craving. And yeah. I know you said a lot of the recommendations out there are not necessarily offering those kind of concrete guidance. Yeah. So less than five years old, there is some concrete guidance. Older than five, it's pretty vague. Okay. Yeah. What do you, do you know what they say about less than five? Um, I think if you look on those websites that I recommended, like the healthychildren.org and the yep. um, American Academy's Child Adolescent Psychiatry website, they have those. But I think what I remember is from like zero to 18 months, 
um, it's only like screen time to like FaceTime a family member yeah. or something that you can, you know, have interaction with. I think from two to five years old, I think it's like limited to one hour total of screen time. Mm. Um, I think, and then I think older than five, it's pretty vague. Okay. Um, don't quote me though. I think yep. there's probably more detail to that, but it, it, that's the only age period they have recommendations, uh, specific and recommendations for. Healthychildren.org is where, again, mm-hmm. to go to get that information. And we'll link up to that in the in the show notes of the, the episode for parents to, to look up. Because that, that's good. I was going to ask you, actually, about how early you can actually start having your kids interact with, with mm-hmm. screens, you know. Right. So that's it. it. It's good that that gives that a, at least a little bit of guidance there when yes. it comes to that. And I think they also even mentioned on those websites that, you know, you don't have to feel pressure to give your child a social media or, a, you know, a screen, you know, mm-hmm. that early if you don't want to. Um, I know it's everywhere. I know it's very tempting to kind of yeah. get that. And I, I certainly still, you know, you currently use screens for my child as well. And so I think we're, we're all human here, um, but it's yep. understanding, you know, okay, so maybe I should sort of limit it at this point, understanding your child too, if their temperament is such that um, they are avoiding school to spend time with electronics, you know, that's a very unhealthy um, relationship with screen time. Um, and mm-hmm. so knowing your child, you know, your child best at this point. Um, and it's a matter of catering to what your child's needs yeah. are. And, and I think too about that, I'm glad you mentioned the FaceTiming. I have... Um two little nephews and my, my one nephew who's kind of old enough to actually be able to interact with that. It's like the joy of our day when we get to FaceTime him, Yeah, you know, and, and he, he interacts with it and we interact. It's, it's mm-hmm. like, a, it's a beautiful experience that we get to have to like interact with him. And so I think sometimes I know myself, it can be very, it's almost like I like to vilify technology very much. It's like, it's bad. It's doing all these awful things to our brain, which I think <laughs> is true. And it can also create these really beautiful moments within our family units right. where we get to connect, you know? Yes. And so it's like, it's just finding that balance between the two. Yeah. You know, and I, it's been helpful for me to like, I have to kind of remind myself of that sometimes. Yes. I think that that's certainly one of the benefits of, you know, screen time is being able to connect with families so far away that we yeah. may not be able to otherwise. Also just community involvement. Like I, um, you know, learning about community events in the area, um, but also rallying people up for like a specific cause or mm-hmm. um, passionate sort of um, purpose that they want to sort of express. I think it, 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 you know, there are definitely positives and there are healthy ways to have the relationship. And I say go for the FaceTime part because I think mm-hmm. that interaction piece is invaluable. But um, I think in regards to screen time, I mostly mean like, you know, excessive video games, yes. excessive tv excessive social media um so yes in my mind i think facetime is fine (laughs) as long as it's with a connection with someone as we start to kind of wind down here a little bit i i'm I'm curious kind of a aside from this whole topic and this is a little bit of a curveball i didn't tell you i was going to ask you this but (laughs) we're just going to live in the moment (laughs) sure um when when it comes to you personally I always love hearing from people around this just are there things that help guide you when it comes to your mental health every day things that you say Mm. to yourself things that help kind of anchor you um, as a a human being in this this whole experience of life that's a good question Um, I actually probably have two quotes that run in my mind that sort of I guess if you will anchor me Um, 
you know, as an early career psychiatrist, one of the things that we sort of struggle with is like imposter syndrome. Um, Mm. Not that I experience this every day, but there's some days where I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, am I supposed to be here? Like, am I qualified to do this? Mm -hmm. And I just have to keep telling myself that, you know, not only have I had all the training here, training to get to where I am today, and also all the experiences and um, all the patients that I've seen and all the guidance that I've been given, but also the, there's a one quote by Christopher Robin telling Winnie the Pooh uh, saying, you're smarter than you think, braver than you believe, stronger than you seem or something, Mm -hmm. something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that, that sort of keeps me sort of feeling like, okay, I can do it. I'm all of these things. Um, Another one is, a quote by Maya Angelou, um, who I, I don't, I might mess up the quote here, but (laughs) essentially it's like, you know, people don't, um, remember, or they don't remember what you said. They don't remember what you did, but they will always remember how you made them feel. Um, Oh, it sounds like you're familiar with that quote as well. Yeah. So I think that also grounds me to understand that like, you know, every action that I do, people are not going to remember it, but Mm -hmm. the interaction that we have, the rapport that I build with patients and families, the, um, you know, the time that I put into these families, I think that's what they're going to remember most. Um, and so, um, so I think that grounds me throughout the day. (laughs) Yeah. And so, so needed just being a human and then also doing the work that you do, I would imagine too, making sure you're cultivating that space for yourself too. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. For, yeah. for for doing this here here today. I always like to give people an opportunity. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about around this whole topic that you really wanted to talk about or things oh. that you wanted to to mention? Um the last thing I probably would want to add was um you know, as a parent, I think it's also important to sort of advocate for our children who otherwise don't have the right to vote now. And so being able to advocate for um people in office who are trying to safeguard our privacy, trying to safeguard our children from sexual exploitation, also for, you know, you know, just other privacy um, safeguards on social media, I think is so important. Um, so advocating for that with your vote, but also advocating for local communities to, um, I, I've heard of some communities do like screen free time week or screen mm something like that where, where they just like the community sort of gets involved with this one-time event and it's like a like a whole you know local sort of event um to do so mm-hmm. so i think that's kind of fun um but i think that's an important piece that i didn't want to miss talking yeah. about and i and that's going to lead me to, to now what is my final question I'll okay <laughs> final question. all right as we as we kind of put a bow on this i think you know I know, I know when it comes to, to screen time and things like that, we can get so wrapped up in the how of it and how many hours should I be, you know, limiting my child to. And there's there's so many different recommendations and just things out there that can become overwhelming. But like at the core, why, like, why are we talking about this? Why is this something that as a parent you think should at least be part of the conversation with yeah. your child? Um. And I think we sort of touched on this as well, that because it's so commonplace and everywhere and it's increasingly becoming a part of our lives, screen time is becoming a part of our lives. I think it's necessary to sort of acknowledge it, address it and do something about it. Mm -hmm. 
it's almost like the the coffee analogy and um, yeah. understanding that once you get introduced to coffee, you know, <laughs> for me, it was like no going back, but mm-hmm. understanding and, and talking to myself about what those boundaries are. Um, boundaries are so healthy for any child. They feel, even though boundaries and limits may may initially make them have tantrums and make them be really upset about it. It actually makes children feel safe. It actually mm-hmm. makes them feel protected that they are being monitored and that they're being watched for. Um, there is research to suggest that, um, that children who are, you know, are monitored and sort of, um, closely, um, seen and, and, um, what I'm trying to say, but yeah, closely monitored, um, actually have healthier boundaries when they grow up as well. Mm. And so being able to provide that space for your child, I think, um, can, you know, lead into other healthy boundaries later in life. So you can drink the coffee, just don't drink 97 cups. Correct. Be mindful about it. Yes. Um, Dr. Gu, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me here. Great connecting with you. Yeah. Thank you. want to once again give a, a big thank you to Dr. Gu for, for taking the time to, to join me for that conversation. I so enjoyed it. And uh, a reminder that I'm going to be putting a, a link here in the, the show notes of this, this episode to the website that Dr. Gu mentioned, uh, healthychildren.org, that has some good resources for parents out there when it comes to screen time and a number of, of other things as well. So thank you so much. For, for being here, my friends. Uh, wherever you're at, whatever you're maneuvering today, hope you're being gentle with yourself, taking it one moment at a time. And um, as always, take what serves you from this conversation and go ahead and leave the rest. We'll talk soon. Also, just a reminder that this podcast is not meant to replace work with a therapist. And so if you feel you need it, encourage you to reach out to a trained mental health professional. All right, we'll talk soon.